Welcome back to the Final Whistle Podcast. Time you run! Here we go, welcome back to the final whistle. Yeah, it's very quiet in the studio this afternoon as we're also behind closed doors, just like the NRL, rest of Australia, and Trevor's locked in hospital. 6pm Monday night, ARLC boss Peter Volandis announced the 2020 NRL season will be suspended indefinitely due to the advice handed down to him by the pandemic and biosecurity experts as they felt they couldn't guarantee the safety of the players and officials. Thoughts on this, Fifey? Oh, mate, <coughs> after AFL had um, done what they had done, mate, it was only a matter of time uh, for the NRL to follow suit. And, you know, um, it, it was bound to happen. You know, you couldn't have the Prime Minister demanding us to stay one and a half metres away, which we are actually a, a metre and a half here. In the um, portable studio at Fifey's house, we are we are um, a meter and a half. But yeah, you couldn't have the public wanting, you know, needing to be a meter and a half, but then have 34 blokes go out and tackle and sweat on one another, and, and you know, if there was any blood cuts and whatever else, you couldn't have all that happening. So, mate, it was a matter of time. As shit as it is, it is what it is. Um, and, you know, hopefully we can um, get over the other side. You know, we're, we're, we're putting our clocks back to normal this week. Maybe we should just either go back to 2019 or just keep winding to 20, 2021 so we can get over this. But, yeah, look, it's, it's shit and I won't, I won't lie. Um, I still, still don't think it's 100% anyone's taken it really seriously because if you're taking it seriously you know we'd be shut down and this podcast would be happening over skype mate not you know social distancing so to speak so you know until until the pm decides to to shut us all down and keep us housebound there's still going to be people out there that that won't care about it too much mate 100 percent. how do we um how's the game survive well, as you, you've heard twice now, Peter Valandis have come out and said it's catastrophic. <coughs> we, um, so it's catastrophic. The first big issue, uh, first big media press, he, he, he basically said, you know, <coughs> the government's got to give us a bit of money. <coughs> and again, you know, when they suspended the, sen- uh, the season, he again stated that, you know, look, we are, we are in dire straits. We, we do need money, um, but we're in a, line, in a long line of other people that need money, and I'm glad he said that because as much as they are a billion-dollar business, as he stated, there are far more important things right now and in indeed after COVID has pissed off that needs the money of the Commonwealth or of Australia before any sports, any professional sports, that be it, be it our great game rugby league, be it AFL, be it netball, be it rugby union, be it A league, be it cricket. When it does roll on effect in in, in summer, you know, 
um, and, and, and you know, dare say it's gonna it's gonna roll on for a year or two and affect a lot of things. Uh, you know, also you know it's the fact that the Olympics, the Olympics, for the first time I think in a long time, uh, barring barring the war, it's a five year break between one Olympics and the other. Then it'll be a three year break from the year before. I mean, the year ne- the, the the year next one, you know. So it's um it, it, it's affecting everyone. Uh, how the ARLC and the NRL go around um, to fix it, I don't know. There's been a few um, possible scenarios tossed up how we finish this season off, with one of them being that we, you know, the latest we can possibly start and get a season in is starting in September, which would then have the grand final of the revised competition being a 15-week competition, being, being that everyone will play each other once, considering I'm guessing these two, these first two rounds will stand. Um, so that would have grand final about three or four days out from Christmas. So that's one possibility that they're going to be doing for this year. There's a few others. Personally, I reckon, I reckon our PM's holding out until Easter to do a two-week lockdown. Which 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 coincide with the school, um, the school holidays for most states and territories. I reckon once he does that and then keeps the borders locked over, I dare say footy will be back on by mid May. <coughs> once um, once Queensland borders have been re- um, be, um, the borders have been opened up <coughs> for stuff like the NRL to go ahead, Gladstone would become a real probability. Should the pandemic expert and the biosecurity expert that the NRL have employed, as well indeed with the ones that are dealing with the country as a whole on the PM's behalf, deem that the worst of COVID has gone, all professional sports will then start again and the NRL will just run out of Gladstone for the most part of the season. It'll be shit in terms of of, um, spectators because obviously... I dare say we'll be locked out for the most part of the season, but you know, we we these are unforeseen circumstances, uncharted territories that none of us had ever foreseen or thought would happen when we were buying our memberships late last year, mate. The obviously the NRL uh, is massive, is a massive game, massive money um, spilling into the economy. The big administrators up there in in those big uh, positions and earning all those big bucks, did they? They're not. Um, you know, they wouldn't be able to cater for a situation like this, but put money away for um, things. Well, we got told there was a war chest, Dale. Um, you know, the war chest had been around since the New South Wales Rugby League days, the old ARL. You know, and they used a bit of it for the Super League war. And you know, um, moving moving forward, they said, "Oh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna have money put away for a rainy day." But if they've come out now twice and said that we're gonna need a booster to stay, you know, above or in the black, I should say, not you know, not above board, but in the black. Well, then that's telling me that there was no money there, and the money has indeed gone down the drain through stupid. Things, i.e., grand final day, um, 
payments. Music acts. You know, like we, we don't need <coughs> these big music acts coming from overseas when we've got the likes of Jimmy Barnes, Hoodoo Gurus, uh, you know, even even new age ones like Birds of Tokyo, you know, something that's rock and Australian <coughs> is would be a far better option on the grand final day than some American and Canadian or whoever they may be overseas coming over playing two songs and picking up a cool seven hundred fifty thousand to a million dollars for that. Thanks for coming. I'm going to piss off. I'm not even going to watch the end of your game because I don't know how it how how it all goes about. So you know, getting back to basics. <clears throat> you know, getting back to the basics. And you know, we're going to talk about it later on because we've been watching the 1993 Grand Final. But you know, um, they had Tina Arena come out for that. But at the time. Her song had sold a crap load in Australia off the back of the rugby league. So, you know, if they're going to have someone big, they're going to have to try to get them to write a song for rugby league and that song be that promo for that year or two years or three years. Um, but answering your question, no, there isn't a wall chest there, I don't think, mate. Very disappointing from <clears throat> such, a, such a global um, point of view. Game, <laughs> so to speak. Um... What's blowing your whistle? Oh, there's a few things that blow my whistle. One thing blowing my whistle is uh, Channel 9's creative team being very uncreative and using our name, the final whistle, as a segment on their show. <clears throat> um, you know. By the sounds of it, it looks like We've got the gig on creating headlines for the NRL on Channel 9's Sunday footy show with them naming their new segment after us, the final whistle. Firstly, you're welcome. And if you would like, we would um, show you some more and bigger opportunities moving forward together. You know where we are and you know how to come to us and hopefully we can chat soon. Yeah, you know, NRL 9 needs some new blood, I guess. Uh, I don't know, one TV presenter kind of killed the footy show of old. And, uh, you know... I'm I'm open to going on TV. Might have to fix fix me Barry Beef up, but I'm I'm, I'm fine with going on TV to 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 help out. Um, you know James Bracey and and uh, Freddie Fitler and Andrew Johns. You know they can still be their bumbling stooges, but you know they need they need obviously something new. And I'm guessing the creative team that have been there for a while have gone, hey, look at this. The final whistle on social media is doing pretty good. Let's go use their their podcast name for a uh, for a segment on our show. Uh, mate, the second thing that's blown my whistle is, um, uh, you know, the NRL's stating, well, not really stating, Todd Greenberg just stood, uh, sat there in silence after a question about teams surviving coming out of, um, out of what we're going to call the COVID uh, global recession. That's what it's going to be. Mate, look... I have a thing, it's probably not going to happen, but I, I believe what I've come up in my fat head of mine that, I, that never stops thinking rugby league uh, could fix off-field dramas, off-season dramas, alcohol-related dramas, and could bring a few clubs 
that have been left by the wayside of yesteryear back in um, <coughs> back into a top line competition for a couple of years. As we all know, there's three years until the next TV deal once this year's finished. <coughs> the only positive probably to come out of this COVID-19 situation is that ESPN want in on the next TV deals after having one round over there. You know, um, the Americans got to see a bit of live footy. They got to see a lot of end-to-end stuff too, really, if they watched the Newcastle game and then obviously the Parramatta game as well. So <coughs> there's that. But we're still three years away. Valandis is um, coming out and stating that we're going to need a booster. I believe we should wind back the clocks and go back to a uh, 1970s and 1980s you know, style thing where the Queensland or what was the BRL had their own competition up there and New South Wales Rugby League have their own competition down here. And this is only for the next couple of years. You get, you know, you still to help, still to, to to fuel the requirement of the TV stuff. New South Wales will get four games shown on TV each week. Brisbane will get four games shown on TV each week. That's eight games that will be shown on TV throughout the weekend. It's still the eight quota that Fox Sports, <coughs> and then obviously Channel Nine only played three games anyway, <coughs> but um, <coughs> it still covers those those uh. The for the for the TV right, and you know you, you you give a bit of money into the club, but then you also take a bit of that TV deal money, and you you start banking it like we were talking about the war chest. You start banking it, all right. What this will do again, as I said, it'll bring back a few of the of of the clubs of yesteryear. One of them who who actually is quite profitable if they were to come back in the NRL today, and they have been pushing for a while. And that's the mighty bears. But the other thing is, you know, the before COVID took a hold, they were talking of expansion into a second Brisbane team. Now, moving into the second Brisbane team, well, then this would be the best way to see how it would cope. You know, how would how, how Redcliffe could cope because Redcliffe was obviously going to be the leading contender. You know, or, or or how would a second Brisbane side, you know, be able to cope? You know, they build up and whatnot. So with the New South Wales Rugby League at the moment, you know, you've got the Panthers, the Sharks, the Knights, the Bulldogs, St. George, Tigers, Para, Canberra, South, Manly and Roosters. Now, if you believe what the experts on Fox and, and that are saying is that a few of these clubs are going to fall to the wayside as, an, as a result of COVID. Now, we all have our own suspicions. You know, Cronulla obviously being the big obvious one. However, they've got those development projects that are being built right now, which, f- from what we got told from Benny Ross last year, is that once they're sold and everyone's living in them, that's the money to put Cron- uh, Cronulla back in the black. So, you know, if those get sold and, and are able to keep Cronulla afloat, then Cronulla's in it. The next one that is really the one that everyone's talking about is... Manly. So, you know, you're going to, you, you possibly could lose some of these clubs. The other clubs that have backing and that, that we think could could possibly come back into New South Wales Rugby League for the period of two to three years on top line and prove themselves to, you know, again, possibly make that 
that cut. You've got North Sydney Bears and Newtown Jets. Well, Newtown Jets are the reigning Canterbury Cup premiers. Uh, North Sydney Bears have an abundance of money. Um, that could easily help them stay afloat if they were to be put back in, in top flight. The other one, the other three that I reckon could come up into what would be New South Wales Rugby League itself would be possibly Cabra and Wente because they've both got the backing of leagues clubs and also St Mary's. Uh, yes, I know the closeness of um, <coughs> being the Penrith for St Mary's and Cabra and Wente being in the Parramatta district, but under this... The players would be still. We have to go back and work because the way it's looking is the million dollar contracts will not be there when we come back. So the likes of DCE, Tamalolo, uh, who else is on a million dollar contract this year? Foreign. You know, foreign. Uh, there's there's a few others that are sitting on. Oh, Josh Dugan. You know, yeah. So all, all these million dollar contracts under what we've been led to told. And this is all we're going off, is from the information we've been led to believe from Peter Valandis and Todd Greenberg is that there isn't money in the bank and that these players that are on a million-dollar contracts won't be on there. So it'll go back to possibly players having to work and then train of, of an afternoon and an evening. Um... And as we spoke to Nathan Smith, Sam McKendry, and Tim Grant, and they've only just started at the end of their careers now to have to work all day and then train at a night time. And they take their hats off to the boys of the 70s and the 80s who did that week in, week out and didn't complain about not having enough money. You know, so having St. Mary's there, that helps cater for more... Um, cater for more Penrith Juniors making top-line New South Wales footy uh, for the next couple of years, you know. So it, it'll help our junior rugby league out here. Same as Cabra and Wendy. It'll take, the, it'll take the pressure off the Parramatta system and also some of the Penrith system will, will go and, and play or trial for those. And then obviously, you know, the expansion that I've always been talking about, and, is, and that's expanding into the country, so you could, you know, could always bring a side in call, you know, like the Western Rams, and have them based out at um, Dubbo or Bathurst, you know, uh, and 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 that would then make a, you know, a, tr a more truer system of New South Wales. For the Queensland, obviously, you got Brisbane, Gold Coast, and North Queensland. So you'd have, you know, you'd have. Them three in there, obviously only capped at 25 players because that's what it was back in the 70s, 80s, was 20, 25 players. Um, you know, then you've got the likes of what's up there in Q Cup now. You've got Ipswich, Burley, Sunshine Coast, Red Redcliffe, Winner Manly, East Tigers, Northern Pride, Pup uh, Papua New Guinea, uh, Mackay, North Devils, Tweedheads, Central Queensland Cappers. Uh, Townsville Blackhawks and South Logan. Surely some of them there wouldn't make the cut um, in terms of that North Queensland, Gold Coast and Brisbane will cover some of them. But, you know, you can have this again and then you can have... You can have a final, you know, a final... 
a final between the Queensland winners and the New South Wales winners, which they do in their in their second tiers now. Um, but the other alternative, on top of all this, is to break everything down into conferences. Like we didn't, I didn't touch on Melbourne or the Warriors. They would come somewhere in that system somewhere. The reason why I didn't include them is because they're going to have to be flying in and out each week. So again, that's going to be a massive cost issue. And that's the whole reason why I didn't add Melbourne or Warriors in either competitions, <clears throat> just because of the, the cost issue of flying, which, you know, defeats our purpose of trying to talk about how to cut costs in order for the next TV deal. Um, mate, what do, you, what do you reckon, buddy? Ah, <laughs> uh, you've, you've crunched, yeah, well, you haven't really crunched the numbers, but you've gone through... Uh, a big head of yours and <laughs> try to come up with some sort of solution. Like I said, this is this is you know, you know catastrophic times. They've no one would never be through this in our in, in, in our game in the modern era. So any idea um, that anyone can throw out is could be, could be the answer because at the end of the day, you got green turds sitting there looking like you know donkey's ass. Doesn't have any any comments when poor old Peter Valandis has to cop it. Left, right, and centre, uh, and give her, give his um, and to his credit, you know, he's, he's been he's been quite transparent as well. So, well, Peter Valandis has come on board as the ARLC at what could be the worst time to take over a sport. However, he has shown before that he's come on at the worst time, but he could be our our our, our saving grace. He's done a similar thing with Racing New South Wales when the equine flu came through. He was the head of Racing New South Wales when that all went through. So, you know, he, he's been at the, the centre of a sport that's been at a crisis before and he's gotten it to the other side. How he goes about getting this to the other side to where we were, you know, a couple of years ago... With money-wise and and that, I don't know, but I think the players have to one understand that it's uncharted territories, two accept that they're going to have to take a pay cut, even those ones that have just signed long one million dollar deals, they've realised they've got to take a pay cut in order for their game to to, to play on. And now, our game will continue. <laughs> Rugby league will continue especially in the grassroots system, because we don't get that much funding from the NRL as it is now. So, you know, all grassroots footy rely on us. People who have played the game, who have brought their kids back to play the game that they play, who coach, who train, who, rugby, who volunteer their time in the canteen. Rugby league as a whole will continue. The NRL is a competition of our game. It's the main competition. It is not our game, uh, our game that we all you know, follow. It's it's got entertainment-based rules, you know that are that aren't all in into grassroots. Tell me the last time you went to a you went to a grassroots football park football dale where you saw the winger fly through, take out the corner post, and the try was allowed. You don't. If you take the corner post out in park football, 
in most districts now, it's out. It's it's out because it's a part of the it's a part of the outline. You know, so that rule there alone is entertainment based rule. The the moving of the scrums another entertainment entertainment based rule. I had haven't seen any comp, any district have a bylaw stating that teams can now move their scrums to wherever they like on the field on that mark. So you know, like this. So rugby, you know, getting back to it, rugby league will, will survive, especially in the grassroots. It'll it'll take club presidents, people like us who who look after junior league on our social media page. Um, to, to, to build Rugby League. The NRL, as Peter Vlandis did state, it is a business now. So, um, yeah, Rugby League will survive whether or not the NRL will under its current guys. I don't understand. I don't know, mate. On that point, let's stop chatting shit. <laughs> what caught your eye in round two? Caught my eye in round two. The Australian spirit. Go on. We get told you can't come and watch the fucking games. What do we do? Ken Artaya, can you come and erect a scaffold in my backyard, mate? Why, sure thing we can, Mr. Ferguson. Or Mr. Anderson, I think it was. Ferguson, yeah, Ferguson Anderson, same thing. Yeah, of course we can. When do you want it? I want it erected Saturday morning and you can come pull it down Monday morning, mate. I've got two games of football to watch over my back fence. Yeah, it was great to watch it. Great to watch it like that. And we picked it too. It was awesome. We picked it on the podcast last week that they'd be doing it. Mate, what caught your eye oh, other than a Newcastle flogging? Um, the best centre in the game, not living up to the be- not living up to his um his rap that he gave himself midweek. <laughs> Let me guess. Uh, that would be one Jay Lailua. Joey Lailua called himself the best centre in the game and let in four tries. And seven tries down his side. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Joey. You're not the best center in the game. You're far from the best center in the game. And also talk about taking a pay cut. You should be probably one of the first ones to take a pay cut. And if the New South Wales Cup was on, you'd be playing for the Magpies this week. Yeah, probably would be. Who is your inform center of the game right now? If he's caught himself. The best centre in the game. Who was, after the first two rounds that we saw, your centre? Jared Croker. Jared Croker? Yeah, no, you can't go past it. Stoney Stagg has done two stellar weeks. Had a monster week last week. And, um, yeah, I, I can't go past you there. You know, Jared Croker is a real out-and-out each week. I don't think he's had too many bad weeks of... of Football in his career, but yeah, he, he's, he's another one that's a good um, center. Uh, you know, the one that one that comes to my mind is um, Joey Manu. Joey Manu. Joey Manu. Yeah. He's 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 been very you know much the second string center in the last couple of years with Latrell being there, but. Fly under the radar a little bit. Yeah, maybe he he's there. He's solid. He's always always doing the good little the one percenters. So, yeah, Croker and Croker and Manu, uh, you know, are our 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 form centres at the moment, mate. Only we only got two segments tonight, guys. So we'll recap round two of the NRL. Um, with crunching the numbers, we're 
what content we can make moving forward with obviously the NRL being suspended. So we've come up with, we're going to start at 1993. That was the first year of the back-to-back premiership. So we're just going to do season reviews uh, all the way through until the NRL restarts. Yeah, so we'll do season reviews, which we just finished watching the 1993 grand final. Uh, We're going to talk about, uh, we're going to talk about, Legends of the game, so we'll do a, you know we'll do a bio of some of the legends of the games that we uh we, we saw or we've watched or you know uh, especially with Trevor Trevor in my case you know maybe legends of the games that were passed down to us by our our parents or, or uncles that you know instilled rugby league into us um as as young youngins you know we'll also look at dynasties family dynasties. Um, obviously, we'll look at the Origin Dynasty as much as we are New South Welshmen. You know that there needs to be spoken about. So, from next week on, we'll just choose one thing and we'll just talk about um, that. So, you know, next week might be a dynasty. Next week might be you know great greatest Origin tries and players. We'll make up the content, guys. You just keep tuning in. And on that, we will be back in a very short jiffy with uh, the recap and the 1993 season in review where Alfie Langer and Kevin Walters goes back-to-back. And our recap round two. We start with Thursday night and the Cowboys defeated the Bulldogs 24-16 as the NRL silent era begins. JT ran riot. During, the in, during a man-in-the-match performance with one try, one try assist, one line break, seven tackle, uh, 17 tackle breaks, 19 tackles, 26 runs for 345 metres, with 114 of them being post-contact. The record-breaking effort provided the Cowboys with their first win of the season, despite starting the better of the sides. The Dogs struggled badly in attack with Lachlan Lewis getting hooked in the second half to go along with Joe Stimson getting relegated to the bench earlier on for two poor defensive errors that led to two tries. The Dogs only completed at 62%, made 16 errors and missed 34 tackles to start the season 0-2. Not making a decision and closing off the sex scandal saga earlier on, has that has this has letting this drag on Fifey uh, already derailed the doggy season. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna have to come out and say no, really now. If 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 we're playing this week, then I'd say yeah, most likely. But now that they've got for the minimum going, and the only reason why I say the minimum because we're going off with what what New South Wales Rugby League and QRL have said by you know coming back on the 31st of May. I'd say no, it hasn't. You know, it hasn't derailed this this season. Now they can um, go in house and and um, fix it, or be it that everyone out the doggies now have been told to leave without pay. Um, look, it gives them time now to fix that up. Um, as unfortunate as it as it was, and like we said, like we say a lot a lot of times, mate, unless. You know, we do it in the podcast. We don't really talk about the off-field stuff. Jad Knockenball is going to be sacked, you know, just because of the morale, you know, the, the moral the moral compass of it. In Corey? Turn. Look, he's the, he's the better of the, the better, you know, the more profile of the two. 
you know, he probably end up with half a season out. Um, probably probably should cop the sack as well if they're as bad as each other, but we won't touch on any more of that. <coughs> um, moving on, Broncos lost halfback Brody Croft with an AC joint and winger Corey Oates with a rib injury, but a Katoni Stag hat-trick sealed a 22-18 win over the Rabbitohs on Friday night. The Broncos' dominance doesn't show in the scoreboard, but it was a convincing win. In the coaching stakes, it was a bigger, big, much bigger win uh, for Broncos mental Anthony Seabold, who secured his first win over the Bennett coached side in five, in, oh, yeah, over a Bennett coached side, sorry, in five attempts. As Wayne Bennett ended the Latrell Mitchell fullback experiment after just two rounds, following another underwhelming performance. In Gus Gould's words, he's been found out. Is he really that talented, or did the Roosters make him look that good? He adds no value to this team at the moment, and I don't think he understands what it's like to be a great footballer. Mate, has Gus Gould come out swinging? You've got to remember Gus Gould's been, Gus Gould's been around the game for a while as a player, as a coach, as a mentor, as a footballing manager. He's uh, and Regardless of what he says on TV, which sometimes pisses a lot of people off, he's arguably the best living footy brain going. I think he's 100% on the money. Uh, like you said, he's he has the footy brain of, of of a million people wrapped up in that brain. What he says a lot of what he says uh, sometimes is a lot of nonsense, and people just think it's just another Gus rant. But if you do listen to the facts and figures and uh, the way he speaks uh, about the things that he's more passionate about, yes, um, Gus wanted him in that New South Wales side last year. Yes, Gus criticised him when he didn't play well but it doesn't take Gus or a genius to come out and see that Latrell Mitchell isn't a fullback over the, the first two weeks one he's unfit uh, you can look at his stats four runs for 49 metres four errors kick out in the full five or six kicks dead to get a seven tack reset he played centre for for a little bit and he's tripled those numbers in a third of the minutes that he's played, he has come out. He has. He did come out swinging, uh, but I feel that it might just be the kick in the ass that Latrell may need to move forward. Yeah. Well, you, you look at it now. Um, you know, we, we're on a break here. <clears throat> he shouldn't be going back to Tauri. He should knuckle down. Yeah, you know, they've all got enough money. These these high class or high profile players to be able to. <coughs> Afford to get a you know a um, a gym put in their in their home or in their back, and then still be able to go out and, and self train whilst self isolating. If if he comes back just as chubby as he's is now, or even chubbier, then he doesn't care about it, about the game about the game that he loves or the or the or the game that's given him his name his start. If I was Latrell. And I'm not because I'm obviously chubbier than him. I would be <laughs> up you. Um, I would be there training my ass off now. I'd be still getting myself up at six a.m. You know, going through doing two hour gym session of a morning, a two hour gym session of an afternoon, just to get myself into that that physique. So when I come back, I can put these these critics to bed. But until he comes out and gives us a full 80-minute performance of what a fullback can do, 
look at Tommy Turbo and James Tedesco for starters, <coughs> then then and only then will the critics get off his back. But look, the only thing that's probably his his saving grace is that he didn't have any kind of full type of preseason. <coughs> you know, that's the only saving grace I reckon is in his corner is that he was in limbo for much of it with Roosters and joined up three three or four weeks before trials with South. A barnstorming second half display from Viliam <coughs> Kikau has again fired a to victory as they down the Dragons 32-28. Nathan Cleary was also fantastic for Penrith, scoring a try, assisting another, and keeping a flawless kicking goal-kicking record. But until Kikau and Crichton intervened, it seemed returning Dragons fullback Matt Duffy would turn would turn into a hero with scoring a double after his injury they picked up in the nines. Dragons remain winless to start 2020. The result added to the special night for Panthers halfback Cleary, who leapfrogged Preston Campbell with 613 points into fourth on the all-time club's point-scoring list. Fifey, Kreider, he you know got the boys out of trouble two weeks in a row. Does he deserve a starting spot? Damn straight he does. Now, I know Ivan Cleary gave Caleb Aiken's first shot, but, you know... The fact that the matter that we had Stephen Crichton, you know, or Stephen Crichton, sorry, uh, in in the mix for Team of the Week for us, and he only played, you know, a small amount of minutes, proves that he deserves to be in this starting thirteen somewhere, wherever it be, fullback, center, wing, he needs to be there, you know. Do we put Brian To'o at fullback and put Crichton on the wing? I don't know. He needs to be in that starting starting 13. Aiken's defence is a lot a lot better and a lot crisper, but the ability that Stephen Crichton had to, to back up Cleary on the inside, get that ball, then pass it, then support play, catch the ball again and go score on the post to put us in front again, um, he needs to be in that in that side when the NRL does come back. Uh, On Saturday. Yes, the Raiders overcome an ugly 20 minutes to the game to run out four tries to one victors um, and join the Eels, Penrith, Newcastle Knights, Melbourne Storm and Brisbane as undefeated teams after two rounds. The Warriors were headed towards becoming the first team in 100 years of rugby league to go scoreless in their first two games until of a season until a penalty try in the 75th minute ensured that they wouldn't. Not since Annandale in 1920 has a team failed to score any points in the first two games of the season. And for the Warriors, their season only gets more difficult now with what was going to be a road trip to Lotto Land. And, you know, with the season being on hold, it's probably going to be a saving grace for them. Mate, after the match, Josh Hodgson brought both teams together, had a chat and thanked the Warriors for their sacrifice. Mate, Josh Hodgson has to be almost one of the, the best things for our game at the moment. What's with it with these Englishmen coming over here being hard nuts on the footy field but being soft soft teddy bears off the field? It just shows you that um, the, res- 
the respect that the Canberra Raiders um, have for the game, but also have uh, for for the Warriors. Uh, being an Englishman himself, he probably misses home, so it was it was evident of one of the one of the imports, so to speak. Uh, um, got the boys together. It was probably probably should have been done in round one um, by the Knights. But then, because as we know, when anyone retires from the game or moves over to England, when they play the Warriors for the final time, the Warriors, some of the Kiwi boys do the haka for them. They get her in the circle. They say thank you. Sometimes they give a parting gift, depending uh, how long they've been around the game and the legends or whatnot. So uh, it was it was great to see. I didn't see it until I saw it on social media. Didn't see it live. But then when I got to see the the footage of it, it was it was um, it was. Monumental for the game moving forward. Well, we didn't know. See, none of us really saw it live on TV, only just <coughs> due to the fact that... Um, the 5.30 game was done. Yeah, they, well, obviously because <coughs> there's no crowds there now. <coughs> so... There was no cheering. And well, no, well no, no, just the games. The games have been put a little bit back so that it was just game, finish, game, finish, game, rather than having game... You know, and finish and then a chit chat before the next game because um because you know you you're waiting for the next crowd to kind of file in if it's a, if it's a big crowd. So most of the um off-field af- afterwards stuff you never really saw because you're going from one game to another. So um yeah, it, it, it was something that I saw on social media. Or I mean, not I saw it on social media, but. I, I didn't. I saw it at the end of the Saturday games on TV. Um, yeah, look, it's, it's good that it's happening. I'm glad that people are acknowledging the Warriors. Uh, I believe, like some people said that, I did see somewhere that someone said that after Easter was going to restart again. But I haven't seen anything stay, saying that the Warriors have stayed in Australia. I think they were on the first flight, once it was cancelled, first flight out to go home with their families. There's a one-month lockdown in in um, in New Zealand for the month of April, for the month of April. So just on that, getting back to thing, I don't think any footy will be played till May. But a big a big cyber invisible high five to everyone within the New Zealand Warriors system a DCE kicked his 21st career field goal couldn't have come at a better time and hand Manly their first win of the 2020 season over the back to back Premiers the Roosters on Saturday afternoon at Leichhardt Oval after Luke Keery's first attempt hitting a left upright with Two minutes earlier, the Seagulls captain calmly slotted it from 25 out for a 9-8 victory. Roosters become the first defending premiers to go 0-2 after Manly did it in 2009. Doesn't get any easier for them as they were due to play arch rival South Sydney Rabbitohs uh, this Friday night. Who's under more pressure, Kiri or Flano? Well, Flano's got a... The jersey to live up to, <coughs> but if you listen to what Cooper Cronk's been saying on Fox League, uh, you know, he took a backward step last year to let Kiri run the ship. Well, how much of a backward step did you get? Did you take 
Because at the moment, Cleary's looking like an under-18s under kid fresh on the scene because he's not controlling anything going forward. <laughs> you know, like, Orbo has scored two tries in the first two tri the first tries of both games. You know, so now he is he taking the leadership role and saying, hey, just give me the ball and let me get over the line. Um, look, it's probably great that the competition has been um, suspended. You did state that Manly were the last team to go 0-2 as a defending Premiers. Just a bit more, they actually went 0-4 and, and won on the 5th. So, you know, it was looking like they could, they were going to follow that. And I'm pretty sure if we go back and check, which we might check for next week, I'm pretty sure Manly finished outside the eight in 2010. So, if we, if and when we do get back and Roosters go 0 and 4, we can. 2009, you mean? 19, 2009. 2009, sorry. Yeah, no, but 2010 was when they were defending. Oh, 2009, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Sorry, I had a couple of beers here. You know, this is a bit different, mate, podcasting from home. You can drink a bit of alcohol. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so. Um, yeah, I think in 2009 they didn't make the, the eight. Um, and, yeah, so move, moving forward there, Sydney Roosters could end up outside the eight this year, which that would be a blessing. I'd love it. Mainly come fifth in 2009. Well, there goes my fucking... There goes my, op, my, my optimism. Thank you for blowing my bubble, arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Roosters won't make the eight. They still won the comp that year against the Eels, but it got taken away from them. But anyways, moving on. Yeah, that was a good. That was a good year, Jared Hayne. We might have to. We might have to recap that one too, mate. Look at this. <laughs> we're bringing up more content. Uh, poor discipline in the dying stages of the match cost Cronulla dearly, with the home team conceding five penalties and making four errors in the final 19 minutes for the Storm to come from behind. 12-10 uh, and go 2-0 and and have three straight home games. Well, they were meant to have three straight home games, Mr. Content Man, but the season is kaput. Um, mate, Captain Wade Graham limped off injured and Josh Morris departed for the Roosters. Now, obviously, this is hypothetical considering that we don't know where we're at. How do Cronulla rejuvenate their season when they come back COVID-19 <laughs> they're getting the 19th man they have COVID nah <laughs> um, all, all serious it's probably um, all due respect to you know everyone that's passed away everyone that's got the horrible uh, coronavirus at the moment it's probably coming at a good time for them they can all just regroup and for them it's about starting the season again when they come back for, for round three whenever that comes back so Jesse Ramey will be fit by then. All of them will, all of them will be back from the injuries. And if you tell me that Moylan is out with another soft tissue issue in the next five, six, seven, eight weeks uh, that they're off, there's he's got to throw the game away because I'm sick of hearing him having. No, he's, had, he's had he's had two 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 hamstring problems back to back, back to back, back to back, and now you know the reason why he didn't come in uh, didn't come in for the first two rounds because he had calf injuries. Heartless problem. <laughs> and Mitchell, Mitchell, Mitchell Pierce masterclass in front of his dad Wayne Pierce's empty Leichhardt Oval Hill has steered Newcastle to a 42-24 win over West Tigers on Sunday afternoon. 
Eight tries will please Newcastle coach Adam O'Brien, but not the four that they let in. The West Tigers' right edge was poor and non-existent at times in a very disappointing defensive efforts. West Tigers forwards uh, Luke Garner and Thomas Makaleli both suffered injuries to compound their headaches for Madge moving forward. I wonder if Makaleli's got a ukulele to play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> scoreboard doesn't reflect it. But at times it's seen men versus boys out there. This here, even though they had 30 cheering fans outside the gates, this here, this match here, with 22 minutes to go, and when it was only a try the difference, having the crowd on that hill spurring them on, is what the Tigers needed. Now we did. Now the experts or the expert commentators, if they want to call themselves that, did speak about this. Empty crowds are not going to have. Uh, empty stadiums will not have the same effect to what was a close game if the crowd's not there. This this was the the massive um, thing that they were talking about when it was twenty eight twenty four or twenty six twenty four. 26-22. Yeah, when 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 uh, you know when Tigers had just scored that try, if there was a crowd there, the Tiger chance would have gone up. There, it, that hill would have been full of rampaging drunken Tigers fans drinking the piss on Wayne Wayne Pierce Hill, going absolutely bonkers. So you're telling me that when the Knights kicked off, if they had a crowd, they wouldn't let it bounce. And they they would have look exactly no exactly right no but that, that's the thing. You have a crowd there, it spurs you on to go harder. Look, for most... Look, I, I, I commend their effort for playing behind closed doors. Not should have scored 70. Other than being able to listen to the hits, the talk, even though some of it was swearing, the, the, the able, able to actually hear the referee call them to move and whatnot, not having a crowd for your home teams... Uh, I'll say for most games, except for the Titans game, because no matter having a crowd there or not, would have wouldn't have made a, a lick of difference, which we'll get to shortly. Um, would have would have would have spurred them on, and I don't. I honestly, look, I, Knights were good, but I honestly don't believe the score would have been that much had they had a crowd there, had they had a crowd there spurring the referees and the touch judges to have a have a second look at stuff. Um, was it men versus boys? Yes, uh, towards the end there, you know, they were in it to the they were in it to the last twenty minutes. Tigers were, and then probably fifteen ten yeah. Yeah, then 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 they fell fell away to the wayside, and then you know, um, knights came in with three or four late tries, which pushed the pushed it out. Uh, moving on, you know, as we're talking about, you know, crowds being very big, they they would have helped with the home team. Doesn't matter if they had one fan or forty thousand fans in this bloody stadium, it wouldn't have helped. Uh, Parramatta flexed their premiership muscles with a fronting forty-six to six victory over Gold Coast on Sunday. Uh, but the win might come as a cost, which it would have if we were playing this week, but we're not. Uh, to uh, hooker Reed Money, he suffered an ankle injury. 
The Eels forward pack simply monstered the Titans for the majority of the second half. The Titans lost Kevin Proctor to a hamstring before kickoff, then they lost Dale Copley with ribs and Tyrone Roberts with an ankle during the first half of their clash with the Eels. Going off the first two rounds, be it, be it a real gutsy dogs outfit and a leading contender for the Spoon Titans outfit, had had Parramatta had the chance to conf- to firm their premiership credentials yet, or was it just because they were playing against cellar dwellers that they were able to make themselves look okay? Um, I think they're just playing the Titans. I think the Titans aren't up to NRL standards, in my opinion, really. So that's just an easy, quick run there. Not much of a wrap there. I feel for Justin. I feel for Justin. Hobbrook, but like we said, in the three years, three years he's got to build that. Tip six all. Yeah, mate. So it was a draw. One this guy one. got fucking two perfect rounds in a row in our tipping hole. Yeah, Minchinbury Jets president uh, Billy Nibba Nibs. He a double. Double full round. Jacko missed out on getting the 50 bucks off me. You know, he chipped the full round last week. He got he missed out on one and having to be his own uh, glory, glory South Sydney side. That let him down. Player of the week? Pfft, can't go past Malolo, can you? It was like... It was like I was going to pick someone. It was just a bit different, but you can't get, you, you can't get past him, can you? Men, men, men versus boys in that game, mate. He, he, he looked like he was playing on the 13 side, really. Team of the week? <sighs> Can't pick Parramatta because it was a shit house opposition, mate. I'm gonna take a leaf out of your book. I'm gonna go Panthers, <laughs> mate. To, to, you know, to, to fall asleep, <coughs> to fall asleep and then to come back. If it was any other team, we would have lost. I was just lucky that it was the Dragons and we were able to come over, come over them pretty easily because they like to die in the ass. What about you, mate? I picked the Raiders. Uh, everyone thought that that six again would uh, scar them. They've come out and two um, two professional uh, victories. They could have <coughs> they could have come out and felt sorry for the Warriors. Yeah. But they come out and they put a, a they put a clinic on. But they put a uh, they put a performance together um, enough to get the two points. So I feel I'm going for the Raiders this week. <coughs> nice. In regards to that. So that's round two, no round three guys. We all know why, we're not gonna talk about it, I'm gonna harp on it. But we will be back for the nineteen ninety three season preview. Or review, review. sorry, review. Go on back. Simply the best. That was the slogan from nineteen ninety to nineteen ninety four. The Winfield Cup. That's what it was known as. The cigarette cigarette name had the uh, naming rights there. Back in a time when you could have cigarette naming Alcohol naming plastered over the grounds, and and by God, it was probably the golden era of football. Two years away from what we now know as the Super League war started. Footy in Australia, or indeed New South Wales, because it was a New South Wales Rugby League competition, was thriving. There were 16 teams. By the looks of this ladder, the latter season ladder here, Gold Coast Seagulls probably shouldn't have been a part of it, but they were. Dale, let's go back in our time machine to the 1993 season, mate. As we did uh, talk about it in in our opening, mate, this season was the first time that the 10-metre rule had been introduced. Previously, it was the 5-metre rule. 
uh, you know, it required the defensive team to retreat 10 metres from where the ball was being played, uh, and supposedly allowing more room for attacking players. They also had no, no marker rule. Yes, yeah, so you could tap and go, which we saw in the grand final. I think it was um, Hancock. Hancock done the done the quick tap because the markers were one one of them was still laying around on the ground, the other one had ro- back. Ro- rolled rolled away. So he'd done the old tap and tap and run and made another 15, 20 meters. We saw that as we were watching the grand final just then. Um, sand. Yes, the sand. No kicking tee. The old give me the sand. The sand boy come running out with the bucket. Sand on the top there, bit of water on it, mould it, you know, nice and high, or, or the thick boys, whichever one you like. You know? Rugby league was rugby league. You could, you could smash people and not get a penalty against you for tackling too hard. Well, what do we see here? What, what do we see in the grand final, mate? Uh, bomb up and Hancock, players, tackle the fellow out yeah. of the ball and play on. Yeah, Brisbane, Brisbane fullback went up and uh, Hancock went up. and uh, Oh, no, it wasn't actually Hancock, sorry, no. Who was there? It was uh, Willie Kahn was, the full, was playing the fullback at the time and got taken out. By the St. George people, and it was a dropout. Yeah, we were blowing up, going, oh, shit, if you'd done that nowadays, mate, you'd be 10 minutes off, and old mate would be getting a good old suck-me-better lollipop in his mouth to make himself all better. You know, football was... Rugby league was rugby league. And as we did, as we had alluded to, you know, we could be going back to a time when we had our New South Wales and our Queensland counterparts, even though there was two in this competition at this stage. Mate... Rugby league was good. Uh, you know, Canberra Raiders beat Parramatta Eels 68-0. And uh, as of 2019, this is still the big, biggest winning margin where the losing team has been kept scoreless. Parramatta came close to it, um, 10, 10 points off, I think, 58-0 with Broncos. Uh, there was a 62. 62-point drubbing from Melbourne to Parra, but I think Parra scored a try in that one as well. Ricky Stewart won both the Rothmans Medal and the Dally M Award for Best and Ferris in 1993, yep. and Steve Walters was named Rugby League um, Weeks. Weeks Player of the Year. Oh, the old Rugby League old Week rugby book, league mate. I, I used to scream out to my parents to get me that each week. I said, I'll do whatever I have to do at home. In order to get my rugby league week book each week, it was a it, it was a staple of of my growing up to get it on a Thursday afternoon and and read that book before the weekend. Yeah, twenty-two, 22 rounds, no buys. Yes, because there's sixteen teams. So we'll go. <coughs> obviously, the Bulldogs came first. Yeah, they got minor premiers. And then Dragons, Raiders, Manly, Rohingya Seagulls, and Brisbane Broncos ran at the top five. Yeah, it was only a top five back here. The old um the the old new system of the top eight. So the top the top five it was only separated by one point, so it ended up 34, 34, 33, 32, 32. Yeah, so the Bulldogs got the minor premiership on the points difference, so they ended up on a uh, plus two point uh, plus two hundred and ten and dragons were on a plus one sixty, so there was fifty fifty points um difference there, you know, so it, it, it meant that your defence was obviously on point, you know, and if you look... Raiders yeah. scored the most points and Dragons leading the least amount of points. Oh, no, Raiders scored the most points and the Bulldogs leading the least amount no, of points. No, Manly, Manly, oh, Manly, yeah, yeah. Manly 232 points, uh, led, uh, points against, so Manly's defence was, you know, the best back in the day. Uh, you know, look at the look at look at the teams that were just on the cusp of missing out. You know, North Sydney Bears, Illawarra Steelers, 
the old eastern suburb Roosters, now known as Sydney Roosters, and that would you know those three teams would have been in if it was the top eight, but the top eight hadn't been introduced. The top eight came in in the NRL era. Uh, Gold Coast Seagulls only won one game, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, much like the Gold Coast Titans, um, the cousins. Uh, the average there, the average there was they averaged ten points a game, and um, and they they averaged twenty six points against. You know, if you if if you have a look at uh, if you have a look at that in comparison, Canberra Raiders were averaging twenty seven points a game. You know, so So as we as we mentioned, Broncos were eventually the premiers for their second title, was their back to back as well, but we'll get touch more into that. The minor premiers were the dogs. They won the minor premiership for the fifth time back in ninety three. Dale Harrell again, mate, playing for the your mighty bears. He got top point score on hundred and eighty points. Yeah, Old, old uh, goal kicking, um, you know, he he was the the goal kicker that a lot of us looked up to in the nineties coming through. We mentioned Ricky, you got obviously Roth, player, yeah. player of the years, but um, a top try scorer, mate. Noah Noah Nadruku, twenty two from the Canberra Raiders. He was a barnstorming, big black fella on the wing, mate. He he was good. You look at 22 tries, that's reasonable back then, but even now it's, it's pretty much the same. The points are going up here and there sort of thing. They've got, obviously the goal kickers have, have got better over time. They're kicking with a tee and not out of sand. Yes, yeah, you know, as you know, Darrell Halligan make, has, you know, had, had his own range of um, kicking tees there at one stage, but nothing beats the sand. You know, it's the old toe poke and, and it was really great, mate. So, you know... Um, yeah, moving on. So, who was in who was in the first week of first week of the finals? You know, St George came up against Canberra Raiders. You know, because um, minor premiers get the get the week off, which most of us junior league people know how the top five work. We always aim to be that minor premiers get that one week off at the start, and then Manly and Brisbane. So, obviously, Brisbane defeated Manly thirty six ten, and St George defeated Canberra thirty one ten. Moving on into the second round, uh, second round of finals, Dale. Yeah, so obviously Manly and Manly drop out. Raiders go um, get a second chance. They go across into the minor semi-final. Minor semi-final, where uh, Brisbane come from fifth, and then they beat Manly in fourth, and then now they've uh, defeated the Raiders thirty to twelve, who ended up third. Dogs come in, they lose against. The Dragons, who Dragons defeated Cameron in the first week of the, of the finals, um, 27-12. So Brisbane go across to the preliminary final. And that's and that and that's it. That's the, that's the the blessing of being first, second, or third is that when you do go into your first final and you lose it, you get a second you get a second bite at the cherry. So you always want to try to aim first, second, or third because you know that if you do have a a, a loss. You get a second bite. So with the Dragons wing, they go straight through the grand final? Yeah, they were straight into the grand final. Um, preliminary final, you had the minor premiers up against fifth. Uh, and in a good, 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 um, you know, match, uh, very tight, Brisbane come out on top 23-16 to progress to the grand final, which we had just finished watching, mate. Uh, so we go into the grand final. Brisbane Broncos lineup. In fullback, Julian O'Neill. On the wings, Michael Hancock and Willie Kahn. 
in the centres, Steve Renouf and Chris Johns. 5'8 was uh, Kevin Walters and the halfback, of course, the general himself, Alan Langer. In the forwards, you have Glenn Lazarus, Glenn, Glenn Lazarus and Mark Hon, and your hooker was Kerald Walters. Your second row consisted of uh, Trevor Gilmeister and Alan Cairn, with your lock being Terry Madison. Your bench sees Gavin Allen, Andrew Gee, John Plath, Peter Ryan, and they are coached by the modern-day wonder coach himself, Mr. Wayne Bennett. For the <coughs> St. George Dragons, at fullback was Mick Potter. and West, Cap- Tig- West Tigers um, coach, mate. And captain. On the wing, we have Ricky Orford and Ian Heron. He was actually the goal kicker. Yes. In the centres, we have Mark Coyne and Graham Bradley. In the halves, we have Tony Smith and Noel Goldthorpe. Uh, in the props, we have Tony Priddle and Jason Stevens. Uh, in the hooker, the number nine was Wayne Collins. In the back row, we have David Barnhill, Scott Gooley, and at lock, we have Brad McKay. <coughs> McKay, how are you on? Hey, uh, Nathan Brown, um, not Nathan Brown, it plays now, uh, was on the bench with Phil Blake, good old Gordon Tallis. And Before he became the Raging Bull, that is. And Jeff Hardy. And they were coached by Brian Smith. Yeah, he, Brian Smith has been around for many years. Lots and lot of grand finals by the looks of it. Yes. In the grand final. So for the second year running, it was Brisbane versus St. George to play at the decider. The Broncos had momentum coming to the final with <laughs> only one loss in the past six matches, even though that loss to St. George in the final regular round. Brisbane remained favourites. The sides for the grand final replay were largely unchanged between the two years. Only one Bronco, Peter Ryan, had not played in the 1992 grand final and four for the Dragons in Jason Stevens, Nathan Brown, Gordon Tallis and Phil Blake. It was also Glenn Lazarus's fifth consecutive grand final appearances having appeared in the previous years for the Broncos and the three years before that with the Canberra Raiders. Yeah, so he played three years of Canberra, um, won one and lost uh, one, sorry, won two and lost one, and then came here and he played... Won two? Played, played, yeah, played in 90, 92 and then played 93, so, you know, he, he was... Won the, one for, then he won with, he, uh, we won five because he ended up winning one with Melbourne Storm. Yeah, so he won one with Melbourne Storm to finish out his career. So, you know, in terms of props and and, and um, grand final appearances into into grand final wins, he's probably the best that we've come up, come across in the modern era. Five from seven? Yeah, something like that, I think. And, you know, uh, yeah, unless, he, unless he might have been involved in the Broncos Super League one, I'm not too sure. Um, I don't care about Super League. Yeah, it's it was it was a death of what the game is as as we know it. Uh, Jason Stevens, mate, went out in five five or seven minutes, uh, dislocated a thumb to the point where the bone came out of the skin. Strap it up, mate. Get back out there. No, he didn't come back out. And then Mark Queen went down with a with an ankle injury after making a break. Um, Alan Langer, mate, one of the shortest halfbacks who ever played a game. Playing well above his weight. He knew how to. He, you know, he knew how to play. He, he knew how to set up the right things. As we we're talking about in the opening of this, mate, um, the game was a different different game back then. A bit of a rough and tumble. Oh, mate, I miss it. I find myself watching 
old footage a lot just to just to show the young young fella you know the difference of the game back then to how it is now. Uh, we're both only five. Yes, <laughs> this this was my first grand final that I remember, and even going back and watching it just then, remembering Tina Turner walking out on the big ass stage from the from the the tunnel, you know, coming out and singing it. And the crowd singing it with her, you know, you don't get that now. You, you know, how cool would it be to have a song as your as your codes song, as in like Tina Turner was simply the best, and then you get that person to come out in grand final day or that band to come out in grand final day and play it and sing it and then have that 80,000 people around ANZ, as, as what it is at the moment, singing it back to them. Uh, you don't get that now. It's 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 a marketing ploy that the NRL will have to do when the game gets back to where it was. When 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 that is, we don't know. Look at the size. You know, Glenn Lazarus here won five grand finals, but look, he played in the best side in the nineties in Canberra. Played in the best side in the eighties in Canberra um, at the back end, anyway. Uh, and then he played in the best side in the 90, early 90s with the Broncos and then ended up going down to Melbourne. So um, I'd love to get him on the pod. We'll have some interesting chats there of um, yeah, you know, you... playing for the probably arguably the three best teams in that 20 years. Oh, in, in, the, in the modern era, yeah. You know, it'd be, it'd be interesting to have him on. We'll try not to steer too much close to the uh, political side of stuff because he has gone into the political side of it now. Um, Senator Lazarus is, is is what he's known as nowadays. But now we interest. Yeah, it'd be good to have him on. Um, mate, where to now? What are we going to do next week? Um, not too sure at the moment. We could, we could do ninety four and make away from there. Um, but then we'll just we we'll have to just keep getting our content. We've got still got Trevor Hospital who's who's threw up some ideas and stuff. So um, I feel I just don't want to confirm something now. I want to make sure we've got some great content for the listeners next week. Alternatively, guys, if you want to hear us dribble shit about a year that you remember well or that you like, maybe it was your team winning the grand final, maybe it was your team being kicked out of a competition, hit us up on the, on inbox. You know, uh, it'd be interesting to, to hear what you guys have to say or what you guys want us to listen to. We're going to keep going as long as we can. Uh, we, we will look into our social medias to see how we can uh, still go forward should COVID-19 restrict us to our homes. Uh, we, we will keep, we'll keep talking uh, footy each week, guys. It's just a way for us to get ourselves through what we're going through. We've never we've never witnessed anything like this before, you know. You've had the you know you you, you learnt at school about the Great Depression, about stuff in 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 wars and that, and how life was in World War One, World War Two. We've never we've never actually physically witnessed or lived through something like this. So, in in a day where social media is a double-edged sword. We'll use the good side of the double-edged sword to bring to you guys as much football knowledge as we can in order to keep you guys from going dark mad. Uh, look, if you're, if you're a junior league club and you're listening, 
hit us up on the inbox. We still want to, on a daily post up, a club looking for players, coaches, trainers, whatever you're looking for. We're, we're, we're keen to post that up on our on our socials to help you guys fulfill your teams should Junior Rugby League come back at some stage this year. Uh, also, if you guys are feeling down, you know, reach out. You know, we got our inbox. Our inbox is open any time. You know, we're keen to have a chat about anything that you feel, you know, we might be able to help you out. You know, you might be listening to our pods on a weekly basis and, you know, kind of like what we're, we're talking about. We're there for you as an inbox if you want. Uh, we'd like to thank our, our sponsors for their continued um, support through this time. Um, it's a bit hard to be able to get them out like we have been for the last couple of weeks due to no footy, but H, HQ Services, Electrical and Air Conditioning, and PNS Dumpers, you guys are absolute gems, and they are still open for business. They've got their safety masks on, they've got their gloves on, they've got their social distancing, so if you want your aircon installed, you want electrical points put in, you want dump in to do a bit of cleaning up whilst you're under um, self-isolation in your house hit them all up we'll share that to our page tonight i've actually got dicko coming around the next two days to put me new aircon in it's sitting out the backyard so you know make sure you're helping local businesses that are still operating for more information you can listen to our podcast on the anchor app Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Or you can hit us up on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash the final whistle RL, Instagram on the final whistle underscore RL, or alternatively email us on the final whistle RL at hotmail.com. That is the real deal, the one and only, the final whistle podcast. I'm Fifey, he's Dale. Enjoy your night. And that's the final whistle.